sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Hallelujah. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, your word says that unto you shall the gathering of the people be. This morning we are gathered in your presence. I pray that you will accomplish the purpose for which you have gathered us. I pray, O oh God, that you will touch these lips of clay and cause the words that come out of them to be spirit and life to our lives. I pray that the word of God, which is quick and powerful, shall go forth and perform all the surgeries that need to be performed on us. Thank you that this word will fall on good soil. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, my helper. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, my leader, my guide. And thank you for the unction and the grace to speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please sit down. Well, the theme of this conference is Remember Me. Remember Me, O Lord. That's the theme of this conference. And like I was saying yesterday, there were so many people who called on God to remember them. Nehemiah called on God's remembrance. Hezekiah called on God's remembrance. Sarah called on God's remembrance. And God himself remembers as he goes along. Amen. And so this morning I want to just take one person who the Bible says God remembered. But before then, she also prayed. And the Bible says, and God remembered. So first Samuel chapter ten. Hey, chapter one, verse ten. Sorry. First Samuel chapter one, verse ten. <clears throat> It's talking about Hannah, and she says, and she was in bitterness of soul, the Bible says, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore, and she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaiden, but would give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. When you go to verse 19, the Bible says, And they arose, then they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. 
And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And the Lord remembered her. Amen. Um, I want to talk to you about 36 things about the woman who prays. 36 things about the woman who prays. Because this is a woman who prayed and invoked heaven. And God, the Bible says, answered her prayer. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 1, reading from verse 1, that there was a man called Elkanah, and Elkanah had two wives, verse 2. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other Penina. And Penina had children. But Hannah had no children, and this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to, Hannah, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And what is thy heart grieved? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after she had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And Hannah was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart. There are times like that. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Amen. Amen. Usually a woman who prays, or if you like, a woman that God remembers, has a painful background or things in her life that cause her pain. Usually, 
Pain is the catalyst God uses to draw us to him and to his presence. It may not, and often pain is not, not that it may not, pain is never desirable. But for every woman who prays or everyone you see who prays, it is usually affliction that draws us to God. So every woman who prays has something in her life that is painful or something in her life that is difficult. And that is what, that's the catalyst that catapults her to God's presence. And so it was with Hannah. The Bible says that Penina had two wives. Elkanah had two wives. One was Hannah and one was Elkanah, Penina. I submit that Hannah was probably the first wife. And like some of us know, even in our African context, if you are not having a child, the man will go and bring somebody else who is considered more fertile. And that somebody else is supposed to bring what you cannot bring. Make up for, if you like, your lapses. And then bring something to pass. So the Bible says about Hannah that she had this rival called Penina. And as if it's not enough to take my husband, you also have to come and live in the same house with me. Having your enemy living with you is not an easy situation. Having somebody who doesn't have your good wishes at heart, being far away is more manageable. But when the person moves into your space, it is a very difficult thing. And even sometimes it makes coming to church difficult. When you have somebody you have a very difficult relationship with and you are not able to go past that thing, church becomes a place of pain and not a place of, let's say, healing and restoration. I have been trying to put together a book, and that book is called The Dilemmas of a Pastor's Wife. It was long ago. (laughs) And one of the things I find is that, you see, for the ordinary church member, coming to church is very easy. But for the pastor's wife, if she has had an issue in her marriage and she still has to come to the church and still listen to the person who is causing her pain and still say amen, preach on and still even allow herself to be blessed by the preaching. And like some of my friends outside my denomination with what they share with me, sometimes even the whole preaching It's about them and about what has happened. And then also, it is skewed because in law we say, you cannot be a judge in your own right. So if you are talking for yourself, by all means, you will be right on all scores. You see? And then, from what they say, they sometimes even give examples, you know? 
Maybe his preacher said, and this morning when, when you were coming, you were so rude to your husband that he looks at you. <laughs> it is just like living with Penina in the same house. Amen, ladies. So then when that happens, she also has to be able to receive. Otherwise, she will shortchange herself. And every time you come to church, you will not be blessed. But it is not so with the accountant's wife. When she comes to church, she doesn't have any issue with the pastor. So then she stands up and she says, oh my, you are anointed. Preach it, man of God. You are doing me good, man of God. And you, the word is good, but it is skewed because you are having a penina situation where you are. And not only that, because you are not the one who preaches every Sunday, everything is your fault. I have had friends who, when there's something wrong in the marriage, they come to church. They were sitting on stage. Then when they come, their chair is not there. So, their chair is placed on stage subject to good behavior. <laughs> and the chair is removed. I mean, that's not a fairy tale. The chair is removed. So then she'll tell me, Sister Mom, so when I go to church, I don't find my chair. I just look for somewhere near the choir and I sit. So she was comfortable. And I said to her, even I don't like sitting on stage because... When I'm worshipping, you become like, um, how do you say, it's a performance because you can't be yourself. But when you're all facing the altar, then everybody is themselves. So I said to her, even after the quarrel, don't let them put your chair back. Just sit where you are. So she started to sit where she was. Another time there was a problem when she came, now the chair was at the back. And she asked me, do I have to keep going to church? I'll come to that point again. Do I have to keep coming to church? I said, well, I think you should because not coming at all also creates a big vacuum and that leads to separation and so many things. So then she said, so do I go in this pain? You know, so it's okay that you have gone to church, but when the arrows from the preaching hour. And you cannot say your part. You know, in, uh, in, in law again, we say there's principles of natural justice. It says that even when God came to the garden, he knew that Adam and Eve had sinned, but he still asked them, Adam, what is this you have done? And then he listened to every side, including only Satan could not uh, uh, blame anybody. And then after that, he gave judgment and then sentencing. There are two different things. Do you see? So, based on that principle in law, they say even if you are guilty, you must be heard. That's why they ask you, guilty or not guilty? And even if you say guilty, there will still, the trial will come on. Because in the Garden of Eden, God, even who knows everything, he listened. Do you see? He listened. But in this case of this... Uh, Pastor's wife, Penina, her side does not come up. So the rules of natural justice don't apply in this case. And she has to live with it and still be blessed. 
Mm. It's all in the dilemmas. One day it will come out. <laughs> Amen. So she often has a painful background or things in her life that cause her pain. And then she often also has an adversary. An adversary is somebody who opposes you and is adverse to your interest, adverse to you, adverse to whatever you are doing. And as Christians in the New Testament, we have to know that our adversary is the devil. Yes, the devil uses human beings, but the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. But we are not expecting all these things. When we hear, we just feel, oh, God is just saying something. But there's wickedness aligned against the believer. And just not just wickedness, but in high places. You know? So this is what Penina was doing. And the Bible says that Penina was an adversary to Hannah. So the woman who prays often has somebody who is fighting against her. So we should not expect that things just fall into your lap. You don't have any opposition. There's no adversary. Everything will just go. Because even Daniel, when he fasted and he prayed, the Bible says God sent an answer immediately. But for 21 days, the angel was withstood by the prince of Persia in the heavenly realm. And it needed another angel, Michael, to come and help before the answer could come. And so there's a lot of opposition, even in the spiritual realm. But most people don't pray through the opposition. We rather begin to cry about the opposition. And just crying about the opposition does not get us far. Amen, somebody. She had an adversary, Penina, who made her miserable and weakened her. Somebody who constantly reminds you of your predicament by word or by action. Amen? Many people don't survive an adversary, but rather they just go under. Amen. So many adversarial situations happen to all of us. And therefore, we should expect opposition. When you have a good idea, or when you have a word from the Lord, and the Lord says, yay, I've called you to the nations, whatever. Before you start to get to the nations, expect an adversary. In Hannah's case, it was an adversary she could see. But in many cases, it is not an adversary you can see. But it is an adversary you can feel. But many times, we misinterpret what is happening. And you think that, oh, the adversary is my husband. If he would change, everything would be okay. Oh, the adversary is the people in the church. If they would change, everything would be okay. But what it is, is the real adversary is hiding behind. And what he wants to accomplish is to put you against each other so that he doesn't need to fight. 
Because when you look at the battle Israel went to, some of them, God will just discomfit the people and they will fight against each other. And then God won't have to do anything and Israel will just win the battle. It is the same on this side also. The Bible says if you bite and devour one another, when you do that, you've done Satan's work. You bite and devour one another, then Satan doesn't need to work because as I bite you, you bite me. But we end up all weakened, all wounded, all whatever. So then you say, it's Satan. It's Satan, but he employed you. Sometimes he employs you full-time, part-time, fixed contract, temporary contract. He's employed you. And even in marriages, Satan employs you. Because if he wants to bring division or separation or divorce, he has to tell you that this person is this, this, this. Then you look, you say, factually it's true. This person doesn't think much about you. It's true. This person doesn't have your well-being. As a, it's true. Then as you go along, finally you decide, no lady heaven, I can't take it anymore. And then you walk out. His main purpose was to break the marriage, but he didn't have to do anything. He just had to put the pressure on you, like Penina put on Hannah, and then you would cave in. Amen. She often, the woman who prays, often has an adversary. She may have a man who can love, but cannot relate, and have a woman who cannot love, but can relate. Amen. The Bible says Elkanah loved Hannah. And whenever they went to Shiloh, he would give her a worthy portion because he loved her. But Penina, who should have understood Hannah better than Elkanah, did not love Hannah. So she could relate to Hannah's predicament because she is also a woman. But she rather did not bring comfort she rather brought pain. The Bible says, consider him who endured such contradiction against sinners so that you do not faint. There will be a lot of contradictory things in our work with God. Amen? Contradictory, not even in terms of scripture being contradictory, but your experiences are contradictory. For instance, you do something very good to somebody like Joseph did to the butler and then the person forgets. Or sometimes the person doesn't even forget but the person repays you in a way you didn't expect. And it is more painful in the church because you expect better behavior. And the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you were hoping that as you've come to the body of Christ you wouldn't see certain things. And you are always hoping and hoping and hoping. And you keep being disappointed and disappointed and disappointed. So it's not really working well. Amen? So Penina could relate to Hannah as a woman that, wow, if you don't have a child, it will be a very painful thing. If you are married and another woman comes to take your husband, it will be very painful. But women can relate but women don't love each other. Women can relate, but women don't support each other. 
Women can relate, but women often don't celebrate each other. So they were in the house with Elkanah, and Elkanah knew Hannah had a situation, but Elkanah never taunted Hannah and made her life miserable. But the one who did was a fellow woman. So a man can love, but sometimes he can't relate to your issues. But the woman can relate to your issues, but does not love you. That is what was happening. That is why I always say that Elizabeth and Mary, they are at another level. Because naturally speaking, Elizabeth was far older, stricken in years, which means blows of life have hit you. And then Mary, who has not asked you for a child, is even out of wedlock. You go and you say, hail favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women, including Elizabeth. And not only that, you talk to me, Elizabeth, a senior Christian like me, through my husband, Zechariah. And a 16-year-old Mary, you speak to her face to face. <laughs> and then when you go to, you say that she's blessed amongst women. Don't you know that I'm also a woman? So you take her and you elevate her above me. What were you thinking about? And then when you were sharing the blessing, you came to me first. But instead of giving me Jesus, you gave me John the Baptist. How can you shortchange me like that? I'm honest enough to say to be an Elizabeth will not be easy. And I know that she endured a lot of pain because she said that when she got pregnant, she said that the Lord has hidden me from my reproach. And reproach is shame. So she had gone through a lot of shame. You know? And then you struck her husband with dumbness. Just because he has one question. Mary has about four. How can these things be? Knowing I don't have a husband. And this and that and that. Mary asked all these things. You say, oh, the, the most I will come over you. And the power of the most I shall overshadow you. Therefore, that thing which is within you shall be called holy. You are rather encouraging her. And the Bible says, Elizabeth and her husband, they walked blameless in all the commandments of God. So Christians think that adversity is because of judgment. It is not always so. Sometimes, rather, when you are a senior, a certain type of adversity comes your way. Amen. So Penina was not a cheerleader, but Elizabeth was a cheerleader. And Elizabeth was not there when the angel spoke. But as soon as Mary entered, the Bible says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said, and whence is this, that the mother of my Lord, Elizabeth is past bearing, and Mary is 16. How can you call her the mother of my Lord? But Paul said, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. So the things of God is not by age. It's not even by how long you have been in the Lord. The Bible says, God, it is God who willeth. It's not he that willeth, nor he that runneth, but God who showeth mercy. He just decides. But once I was asking God, so why did you do this? You gave John the Baptist to me. And then not only that, you come and prophesy that my son will be a servant and a forerunner to Elizabeth's son. I mean, what exactly are you thinking about here? 
And once I was asking God, I said, why did you do that? After so many years of preaching this message, why did you do that? The Holy Spirit said, could Elizabeth have run to Egypt with a baby? Could Elizabeth have ridden on a donkey to get to Bethlehem? Could Elizabeth have survived the crib and the cattle where the cattle was? And after that, I said, run to Egypt because Herod is coming. She was old. She didn't have what it took. The Bible says he has called us according to our purpose and his grace. So whatever purpose he calls you for, he gives you the attendant grace to go with it. So Elizabeth is the opposite of Penina. Also, she has an adversary who behaves as if what she has is her doing. Whether you give birth or not does not depend on you. Whether you are Miss America or not, your looks don't depend on you. You didn't choose it. Your family background doesn't depend on you. You didn't choose it. So if you came out as Prince Charles, well, God just decided it. So then when you feel so good that I'm, I'm royalty, and I'm de- we wonder if you chose it. Because if everybody had to choose, they may also choose to be royalty. <laughs> Amen? And instead of recognizing that children are a gift from the Lord, and that the fruit of the womb is his reward, you don't see it that way. You say, oh, I have this you don't have. I have children you don't have. And not only do I have children, I have variety. I have daughters and I have sons. How do you know that? Because the Bible says Elkanah gave to Hannah a penina portions for her daughters and for her sons. So not only did Hannah not have a child, Penina had and even had both sexes. And the person is staying with you. And she has been believing God for many years. And she sees somebody who has it all. Or seems to have it all. So that sight alone is provocative and painful. But then the person adds to it. The Bible says, he provoked her sore. So the provocation was a sore provocation. The provocation was painful. The provocation was like a wound. And you know, we all run away from things that cause pain. But in this case, she was in the same house. The Bible says she provoked her soul to make her fret. That is exactly Satan. He provokes the woman who prays so much that it becomes a soul. You know, sometimes some things are so painful. It's like, you know, I, I was talking to somebody who had broken up with a lady. And I'd spoken to the lady, and the lady said, Lady Reverend, it's like a dagger that is sticking in your heart. And when I was talking to the guy, I said, she's very head. He said, yes. She said, it's like a dagger, but I don't understand what she's saying. And I even told her, but if it's a dagger, then pull it out. (laughs) So sometimes men don't mean to be mean, but they are very different. God made us very differently. So the pain is like a sore. It's like a sore that doesn't die. Because every time the person scratches the soul, every time the person, to make her fret. Amen. Amen. 
And the devil will do the same to us if we let him. And the Bible says that she fretted so much that she did not eat. She did not eat. Some of us, we are the opposite. When we are stressed, we eat. <laughs> and some people, too, when they are stressed, they don't want food. They can't. What the Bible says, she did not eat. And all that she did was to weep. All that she did was to weep. And I often ask myself, so you, Penine, as you are staying with me, you see what your actions are causing. And instead of letting up, you rather continue. Amen. And that is what makes sometimes being in church difficult. Because people know what they are doing and they rather add insults to injury. And then you turn to your Elkanah. He does not understand. She often has people around her who don't understand what she's going through. The woman who, who prays, she often has people or situations around her that are not understood. So that is why Elkanah will come and ask, excuse me, she says this nonsensical question. Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your countenance sad? Four questions. Am I not better to you than ten sons? Four nonsensical questions from a man. <laughs> and you will expect that he can feel the temperature in the house. He can see what Penina is doing. So why is he asking me this question? But ladies, I submit, it is very possible Elkanah never saw. Because women, we are also very good pretenders. And when we see Elkanah, we can make it out that Hannah rather is so some way. And that she has self-esteem issues. Because I have a child, she can't deal with it. She has jealousy issues. And in fact, it's her own issues. That's why Elkanah will ask, why do you weep? He doesn't know what the heartache of barrenness is, number one. Number two, he doesn't know what is happening in the house. Because when he's around, Penina will even offer you tea. Penina will do so many nice things for you. Oh, Lady Reverend, do you want this? Oh, Lady Reverend. Penina is so nice to you. She even goes out of her way. So, so, so he doesn't even know there's a problem. And if you go and share it, it is likely it will not be understood. Not because he is some way, often, but because he's not you. He doesn't have your hormones. He doesn't have your makeup. And he doesn't have sometimes your perception. Why do I say that? When Jesus was at the well, the woman who came, she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. In the midst of all her samwiness, she had a certain perception. Jesus didn't have to introduce himself. So I perceive. The Shunammite woman said, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. So let's build him a room and do this. And the woman with the alabaster box, 
perceived that Jesus was a prophet and that he was going to die and needed to be anointed before his burial. All the 12 disciples, they didn't feel it. They didn't get it. And they were rather on the woman's case. They said, look at how she's wasting money. And even the type of woman is she. And if he was a prophet, he would know that this woman is not correct. And he would know that this woman, they were not correct. They were not correct. Amen. I am not saying that to say you are always right. But I'm saying that to say, you see, when I was a younger wife, I shared unnecessary things. That's what I think when I look back. I shared unnecessary things because I felt that your husband, you know, he'll be your soulmate. And <laughs> when you cough, you also cough. And, you know, you're all going to be on the same wavelength. And when you come and you say, this thing is really eating at me. And he will also jump on the bandwagon and really understand you. And after a while, I saw that, no. <laughs> the understanding is not coming. And I think that we share unnecessary things. The Bible says about Mary, she kept these things in her heart and pondered over them. But you, what you should keep in your heart and ponder over, you are sharing in places where you shouldn't share and it's going to bring problems. The pondering in your heart is trying to connect with God. And God himself would explain to you because by the time Jesus was dying, Mary understood. And she even followed to the upper room. Because she had hidden things in her heart. And she pondered over it. But when you are young, you want your husband to see. You want him to wear the same jersey you are wearing. He has to be on the same team. He has to be the... No. It doesn't work that way. And it brings unnecessary quarrels that you don't need. <laughs> Amen. The woman who prays often has a need for which there's no human answer. That's what I was saying that Penina was behaving as if she gave herself the children. She made herself fetter. As a pastor, I counsel people who go to the hospital and the gynecologist says, there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with your husband. But the baby is not coming. I've met many situations like that. So it's not like when this body is correct and this other body is correct, then everything will line up. Life doesn't seem to be that way. So she will often have a need that human, a human being cannot meet, a spectacular need. And that is what is likely to drive her to the presence of God. Many women fight unnecessary battles in their relationships because they want Elkanah to become God. Rachel said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob said, am I God? Am I in God's stead? But for Rachel, Jacob was God. And she was asking of him impossible things. And we also have impossible expectations sometimes from the men in our lives. And they can't meet it. Like I was saying, you think that when you breathe, you should breathe. 
soulmates, when it's winter, you all sit together, you use one blanket, and then you drink some espresso coffee. And then you watch your favorite your favorite movie is even likely not to be his movie. <laughs> because when my husband is relaxing and I come and sit by him, he has put on this. How can this be relaxing? It is not relaxing for me. I want somebody's life story. What the person went through, how she came through, and then he'll say that, mommy. Don't you want to change what we are watching? <laughs> because as much as he may love you, he may never, he will never be able to fulfill all your needs. God has not created any man like that. If God creates a man like that, then God has become unnecessary. So those of you ladies who are not married, your unexpected expectations, lower them small. And also know that God has not created any human being, whether male or female, to supply all your needs. It's only God that is a my God shall supply. Oh, but some of you, you have removed God. You put Michael, James, Peter, my John shall supply all my needs. Be they emotional, physical, spiritual. And some of you even, that's why you married a pastor. Because you felt that he will supply all your spiritual needs. You have forgotten the verse that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen, ladies. She often has a need that no human being can meet. Many times I'm driven to my closet because I need to connect with God. Many times I'm driven to my closet because I don't feel understood. And sometimes, ladies, even you yourself, you don't understand yourself. And even when you go into your closet, you tell God, I don't even know why I'm here. Even your prayer topic, you can't frame it. You cannot. No human being. The woman who prays will have a need in her life that no human being can meet. And God lets you come to that place. So that as a woman, your fulfillment is in God. Your self-esteem is in God. But if you're always going to look, do I look nice to him? Does he look like he's noticed me? You know, I told you a story, not this crowd maybe, but this congregation, but a story of a lady who came home and asked her husband, are my shoes nice? This is a real life story. I know the couple. And the man said, oh, they are very nice. And the wife said, you liar. I'm not even wearing shoes. <laughs> Beloved, I tell you, you would think that the man said, oh, I'm sorry. And the table, it went ballistic. You don't respect. Why should you come and then set me up? And then whatever. So the lady called me, mommy. Something has happened. I said, what has happened? I came and then I said that. Are oh, my shoes nice? And then I said, so, when she finished, I started laughing. She said, oh, you are laughing. I said, because he's ashamed. 
So he's covering the shame with anger and telling you, you don't respect. What do you mean? Later, I went to that country and I saw him at a pastor's fellowship. I said, uh-huh, you said that what? <laughs> Your wife does not respect because what? He said, I mean, why should she set me up? If she not, I said, you didn't look. You were busy on your computer. So all that you say is you laugh about it. Say, oh, Charlie, I, I'm sorry, I didn't look, but you have turned it into a battle. You are some way. <laughs> he said, Mommy, I'm guilty as charged. <laughs> Amen. Amen. She often has a need in her life that only God can fulfill. She is often someone who has served God religiously or gone through all the religious notions. When I look at the Bible, most of the stories are about people who followed God faithfully. Hannah, in spite of all her problems, would always go to Shiloh. She would always go to Shiloh. And the Bible says she went yearly, and as often as she went, she was provoked. And as often as she went, she was provoked so. And as often as she went, she was made to fret. And as often as she went, she was grieved and would not eat. And as often as she went, she wept. Abraham, he had left all. Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, to a land where I'll show you. He went, the Bible says he went, not knowing where he was going. But he still had something that was not fulfilled yet. And it took a long time. So he got to a place, he called Eliza. And he called, he went to God and said, I don't have any heir except this Eliza, my, my servant. So I'm going to die, leaving everything to Eliza, my servant. And God said, my covenant is with you and I'll fulfill it. A woman who prays is often not somebody who has not worked with God for long. The Bible says Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were both blameless before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances. You see, most of the time, Christians put a stigma. Oh, you are cursed. Oh, you did something wrong. Oh, have you looked in your generation? Oh, it's a generational curse. Oh, you have to break this. Oh, you have to break that. Sometimes it is true, but often, people are like Zacharias and Elizabeth. And they have walked with God blameless in all the ordinances, but they are barren. Tell you, everyone, why is that? Because often the secret things belong to God, and we don't have answers for everything. So, Hannah is somebody who, at those days, you had to go to the temple to worship God. And she kept going every year, every year, every year without seeing any change in her situation. But that is why that thing will lead you to be a woman who prays. Amen. Her provocation may be pronounced when she comes to the house of the Lord. Her provocation may be pronounced. When she's home with Penina, it's bad enough. But when she comes to the temple, I often say I can imagine Penina because I'm also a woman. Every year, she has a new outfit and a new baby. 
And then because she has sons and daughters, she will line them up after her. So when the priest calls, shall we call this to dedicate? Then Penina will come in style. And then to make sure that you know that it's an entourage of children, she will walk a bit and she will turn to Damien, David, <laughs> Samson, Delilah, and Janie. Come, come, come. <laughs> and where's Sarah? Where did she go? To the bathroom? And where's James? This way, this way. And then she'll be holding a new baby. And then she will arrange herself. And she'll tell Akana, we're ready now. And then they'll line up at the altar. And Hannah has to be in the service. And she cannot lift her head. Because the Bible says that when she went to Shiloh, Penina provoked her there. There. At Shiloh. You would think that you have come into the presence of God. People are fighting and seeing battles with you. Battles you have not signed up to fight. They want to fight with you. It's a popular story. I sometimes my stories, I tell them in so many places. When I get to somewhere, I don't feel like it's like it's recycled. But I once drove past somebody and then her bonnet, her friend's front bonnet fell. I was going to church. So I got into the church and I told my driver, go and look for the person, find the car, stand by the car when the owner comes. Tell her, I don't know what happened by the bump, front bumper fell. And I'm prepared to fix it all for her. So the driver went, saw the person. Then the lady came charging at me. When she came, I said to her by the church, Oh, I was just driving by your, whatever, and then your bonnet fell. Maybe the bad thing was I also added that. But I was wondering why it fell so easily. Because it was just a light scrape. <laughs> a slight scrape, so I am surprised that it fell. But anyway... The driver is going to go with you, and the whichever mechanic you use, he will go with you and then sort it out, and then I'll pay. So as I was talking to her, she had some mannerisms, talking some way. Then somebody came, another lady passed, and said, oh, your car will be fixed. It's the first lady she will fix. Then the lady just lost it. First lady, and so what? And so what? As soon as she said that, I said, this woman is not this car issue. She has been looking for me for a long time. <laughs> so, I just patted on the chest and said, oh, calm down. I'll fix it for you. And calm down, that what? That, hey, very rude. There's some of my friends too who are equally crazy. They came and said, hey, we saw that she was throwing Let's go and sort it out for you. I said, oh, no. You see, there are people waiting to join things. So I said, oh, no, no, no. And then they went across the road, and when they looked at the car, it was just hooks on the bonnet. It was a golf that had opened. So they just clicked it back. Click! And then I met yet another friend of mine. She said, I saw the goings on, whatever. Then I said, oh, you know, the Lord told me that the lady has issues. Say, hey, where do you know if I, 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 I think she has issues. And um, I think that many people see me as having a perfect life. So for a long time, she'll be coming to church, my Shiloh. And then she'll be seen and say, hey, all she does is to sit in front. She does nothing. 
She just sits in front, you know. And then oftentimes I'm held up, so I come into the service late. And I get so upset. So even my assistant LPPM was telling some of the staff last week or so that, I've told you that after second service, don't schedule any meeting for mommy so that she can go into the third service. But the people have also come for second service and they feel that their issues have to be attended to before they go. So the whole thing works out another way. So anyway, this lady said to me, oh, I know her very well. And every day, she sits at the back and she cries. Every service, she cries. You know, so I said, so I'm right that she has issues. It may be. But, you know, I know her flat. I want to go there and talk to her that what she did. I don't think that she should have behaved that way. So, just leave it. Anyway, it came to pass one day that uh, somebody came to see me that she has a lady who has a lot of problems and a lot of issues. She would like me to talk to her. When she opened the door, there walked in yours truly. <laughs> First lady, and so what? Walked in. And then the lady was, oh, this is, so I said, oh, I know her. He said, hey, you, you remember me? <laughs> so I just sat coolly behind my desk and I said, how can I forget you? How? I cannot forget you. And as I speak, still a lot of issues. You know, so when I say that, people are signing up for battles you have not signed up for. And they are fighting you on things that... You haven't said that you want to go into any boxing arena. But some of you, when you see the person with gloves, you also borrow your own. And you will get into the ring. And then it becomes a fight. But when you never borrow any gloves and you don't get into the ring, the battle just... It ends. Amen. So, by God's grace, Hannah didn't get into fisticuffs with this woman. The woman who prays is someone who looks beyond the fact that some sinners go unpunished. The Bible says that it was in the days of Hophni and Phinehas that Hannah went to the... It's, it's a one-off sentence in the passage in First Samuel. So it was in the days of Hophni and Phinehas. But I think God tells us that because Hophni and Phinehas were very disobedient servants of God. They were sleeping with women at the tent door. They were doing their best, and yet their wives were getting pregnant. Lady Reverend, how do you know? Because when the ark was taken, one of the wives was given birth, and she said, call the child Ichabod, for the glory has departed from Israel. And the Bible says that as Hannah was going to Shiloh and going through all this provocation and all that, it was in the time of Hophni and Phinehas. So in that time, Eli's children were even misbehaving, and yet God's punishment didn't seem to come on them. They seemed to be leading a normal life. The woman who prays will see things around her that look contrary. And then she will wonder that, so me, why is the Lord not remembering me? But these people who are at another level in their sin, they seem to be blessed. Every Christian will go through that junction. David said, I asked, why are the unrighteous rather flourishing? Why are they rather prospering? And then I went into God's temple and I got the answer. God had set them in slippery places. 
So often I'm feeling as we're standing in a separate place, but it looked like a firm place. The Bible says, and they're comparing themselves with themselves and wise. So when we are walking on a road that's difficult, we shouldn't look at Hophni. Look at what Hophni, he is even a priest. Me, I just come, look at what he's doing, and nothing has happened to him. Look at Phineas, nothing has happened. But God was going to bring Samuel and gave him a revelation of what he was about to do with Hophni and Phineas. So you don't know a lot of things, and you don't have the whole picture. So you just have to continue following. Amen. She's somebody who gets desperate about her situation. Amen. She gets tired of her situation. It is said that desperate people do desperate things. Amen. You have to know what a desperate person is. Or if you want to see what a desperate person is, then go to the labor ward. Desperate people do desperate things. Some people shout. Some people throw all their clothes about because of what they are going through. And some people even speak French, according to my husband. (laughs) Because when I was pregnant with my first son, I had him in Switzerland. And then it was around 1 a.m. that I went into labor. No, I went to labor earlier, but I told my husband, I think I'm having some pains. And then he said, oh, that's labor. He asked me if you go, that's labor. Then I started to get my things together. Beloved, that day, I took something. You know, I'm quite um, fussy about color combination. But that day, when I see the pictures, I've never understood. <laughs> I was in green bedroom slippers. A purple, I don't know whether it's even a boo some brown something around me and I couldn't even walk properly but when I told him I'm in labor he said oh just a minute so just a minute I thought he was going to arrange for us to leave he had gone to the bathroom to shower (laughs) I was so upset I said how could you shower in such pain how could you shower he said because you are a primate primate means first mother first time being a mother and it's going to take a long time so I have to bath and be, whatever. <laughs> so he bathed fully. Wore his jacket and everything. It was in winter. Hey, I was very annoyed. And he was smelling good too. <laughs> and carried me to the labor. When we got there, they came for me in a wheelchair. All that they asked me, the type of music I would like. And all that I said. Then the midwife was sitting by me. So it was very painful, and I was asking the midwife, is this how the pain is? So I said, c'est pénible. <laughs> it's in French. It means, is it painful? Then the midwife explained to me, oui, comme ça, tout va, you know, and my husband doesn't understand French. So when the midwife finished explaining and stepped out, he said, uh, mommy, are you in labor? <laughs> I said, yes. He said, hmm, how come you are speaking French? <laughs> because if you are in real labor, It's your mother tongue that will come out, not French. I decided not to respond. After that, we came to Ghana. He has been preaching about it ever since. My wife, 
She was in labor. She was speaking French. I told her that this labor is not real. His sins are forgiven. But he was expecting a desperate move. That's why he said that if you are really in labor, it's not French that you will speak. But subsequently, I have been in labor. And for me, the whole experience is so amazing. I can't even talk. My face is just wet and I am shocked that God's word is true. So I just lie there like that. I don't make a word. I don't make a I'm just, wow, then hell will really be real. We better get our act together. But desperate people do desperate things. And the woman who prays will be moved to desperation. But often as Christian women, our desperation leads us to depression. Our desperation leads us to frustration. Our desperation leads us to bitterness. And it's a one stop. We don't go beyond that. To go into his presence with our desperation. We don't get there. We just, instead of running to the throne, we run to the phone. Do you know what has happened? And some of us, we have foolish friends that advise. Jose, so it's Penina there. As for me, I don't think you should keep on living there. Move. Ah, look. Let's look on the internet. We'll find some bad sitters so that you move. Because the way things are going. Hannah's desperation moved her to the presence of God. Could it be that she had been moping around, crying around, but had never gotten that desperate to get into the presence of God. But this time, the Bible says, she got up and she went to the temple. Amen. Amen. Hannah rose up. Verse 9. After they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. So for everybody, it was business as usual. But for her, something was brewing in her. We may all sit together, but we are not all the same. We may all even be in the same boat like Peter and the other disciples, but we are not all the same. The Bible says they passed through the same cloud. They passed, they were baptized through the same Red Sea. But with most of them, God was not pleased. So everybody's experience is personal. Everybody's battle is personal. And everybody's situation is personal. It may be similar, but it's personal. So people were eating and drinking in Shiloh. They finished the temple. There's reception as usual. But she rose up and said, I am not like everybody. I am going to focus on my situation. I am now at a desperate place. So she rose up and she went into the temple. The Bible says, arise, arise, thou captive daughter of Zion. You are a daughter of Zion, but you are captive. And unless you arise, you know, the Bible says, arise and shine. I believe it's Isaiah 6. For thy light is come. It says, for darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the peoples of the earth. But you, you will shine. So everything may be general, but God singles us out. So she arose. She has been going every year. Every year she goes for reception. Every year people are drinking and eating. But people are drinking and eating because everybody has their own situation. 
So it's not enough to say, uh-huh, we all come to Shiloh, and then we all eat and drink, and then we all go back as usual. This time she rose up, and she said, you know what? This battle is my battle. My God is my God. Things have to change. Amen, somebody. Hmm. She did desperate things. Hmm. She got tired of her situation. The woman who prays is someone who retreats from the crowd or normal activities of everyday life. She's also someone who is driven to prayer by her deep emotional pain and hurts. The Bible says she was in bitterness of soul and wept in anguish. And she described herself as a woman of a sorrowful spirit. It is not wrong to be of a sorrowful spirit. It is not wrong to be in bitterness of soul. It is not wrong sometimes to be in anguish. For even when you read the Psalms, you see that the psalmist was often also in anguish. But it is not all right to let it end there. We should not just be, the Bible doesn't say in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by their emotions. It says as many as are led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will lead you by the word of God. Because Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. So we cannot afford as women, every time you are just led by your emotions. Since that boy left you, you are in anguish of spirit, yes. You are in bitterness of soul, yes. You are weeping, yes. But you have to go beyond that. Amen. My time is almost up, so I have to run. She is someone who is herself in the presence of God. She was frank and honest. She let go of all pretensions and acting. The Bible says only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Her tears even seemed to drown her prayers. But she continued praying. And that she was very explicit in her demands from God. She said, the Bible says, she, had, she vowed a vow and said, O oh Lord of hosts. First of all, she recognizes God as the Lord of hosts. The Bible says, though a host shall encamp against me, yet will I not fear. And one of the reasons why you will not fear is because your God is also the God of hosts. So Mahana had to recognize who she had come to. And she said, oh, Lord of hosts. Hmm. If thou would indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid. Affliction is something God can look. Affliction means trouble. And remember me and not forget thy handmaid. But will give unto thine handmaid a man child. Her demands were explicit. She wanted a man child. Then I will give him unto the, the, the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. God didn't say, Hannah, pray for a Nazarite. She desired a Nazarite. And she spelt it out. And then when she spelt it out, she also said, when you give to me, I will give back to you. 
Whatever God gives to you, he expects you to give back. Whether it's a gifting, whether it's a calling, whether it's a grace, he expects you to give back. In my own life, sometimes I feel that I walk on certain roads because of certain people. Because when I walk on the road, soon after that, somebody will come. And then I will know what to tell the person. Because I have walked on those roads they have walked on. So Hannah gave back what was given. God never answers prayer so that it will just be for you. There's nothing like that. Esther became a queen. Not because God wanted her to have a good life. Which is now what we preach. But God was preparing a savior for his people Israel. So it was beyond your marriage, your love, your beauty, your beauty pageant. God's vision is greater than you. And it is always about others also. Amen. I will give him back to you. Whatever God gives you, he will ask you for it. When he gave Abraham, he said, I want to know what's in your heart. Give me Isaac. And then when Abraham was about, he said, now I know that you fear me. Now I know. Abraham would have said, I've worked with you all along. Eh? Look at all we've been through. I've been through Cana. I've taken an army to fight for a lot. You have, uh, when you were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, you told me. I, but our work with God is in levels. So when you get to a place, he gives you Isaac. He says, let me see what is in your heart. Can I take it back? When God gives you marriage, you don't come to church again. Unless there's a problem. When God gives you marriage, we don't see you again because as for you, now that we found love, what are we gonna do with it? Now that you found love, you know exactly what you are going to do with it. And so because of that, God is locked out. When you prosper a little, God is locked out. When God gives you even a gifting, that oh, I'm opening this door, Preach here. This, now, you don't even ask me what you should preach. You feel that you know everything. You are not led by the Spirit of God. You are led by your own. I'm going to preach what will make the people excited. I'm going to preach what will make them happy. The Bible says we heed to ourselves teachers who will give us itchy ears. That's, that's the generation we are in. But for everything God gives the woman who prays, God will ask you back for it. Amen. Amen. So she made her vow in faith. And then, Eli, who was sitting there, says, you are drunk. Beloved, don't expect even spiritual people to always discern and understand what you are going through. It does not mean they are no longer men of God. But it means that no man can ever be God in everything. So when you go and share your problem, and the pastor says, it's not that, but it's this. Don't get angry. Hannah said, no, my Lord. I'm not drunk, but I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Some of you, you say, if you're a man of God, why can't you see? But it's because we have this vessel in earthen vessels. A man of God will know a lot, but he will not know everything. Amen? Amen. And Hannah did not allow that to destroy her and give her a bitter spirit. Some of you, you would even have left the prayer. Satan brings many distractions, but the woman who prays, she fixes her focus, looking unto Jesus, because so many other things will call her attention, including quarreling, including dispute, including unnecessary conflict. She will leave off the prayer, say, I won't even pray again. A high priest, he is telling me that I'm drunk. 
drunk. A Christian who has walked with God like this. I'm drunk. Look at how they think that you'll be telling your friends that in your prayer, you have stopped. You have stopped. The ability to move beyond conflict, we don't have it. The Bible says in Galatians, right, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, gentleness. We don't have all these, and yet we say the Holy Spirit lives in us. Our only sign of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit comes and slays us. But the Holy Spirit really living in us should bear fruit. And that fruit are some of these things that should come out of us. When you are squeezed, what comes out of you? When Hannah was squeezed, she said, no, my Lord, you have my permission to err sometimes. But I will always respect the office that God has put you in. And what happened? When she finished praying and she was going, Eli released the chalak word. Eli said, go and may the Lord grant you this petition that you have asked for. No relationship is perfect. Every church you will have relationship issues. But it doesn't mean that you should leave off the main thing and go to the side and be dealing with side issues. You've missed it. You've missed it. And what happened when Eli gave that chalak? When she went back the Bible says, and the Lord remembered Hannah. Amen. Amen. One of the things that cuts God's, our intimacy with God and our going for it is conflict and trying to prove that we are right, trying to let yourself be understood, trying to have a good image in the eyes of men, trying, but God shared with me about three years ago. It was a very painful experience, but he said to me, I was numbered with the transgressors, and I made my grave with the wicked. So if I number you among transgressors, it's not beyond me. And if I set you among the wicked, it's not, you are not so righteous that I cannot, I, Jesus, I've never sinned. But when they were counting transgressors, one, two, three, four, number 43 was Barabbas, number 44 was me. He said, I was numbered with the transgressors and I made my grave. But for Joseph of Arimathea, where they buried the wicked, they buried me there. So in your Christian work, there are times when you will be accused of things. You will have a reputation you don't like. What the Bible says about Jesus, he made himself of no reputation. Things you hear say, is it me? A drunkard? Is it me? Holy me? Righteous me? It is you. And it is part of your Christian work. And when those things happen, let the fruits of the Spirit come out of you. And don't let somebody sit on your blessing. Now you have quarreled with Eli. You can't come to Shiloh again. Later when you are bringing Samuel, to who? To who? Who will receive Samuel? Who will nurture your Samuel? Who will release a blessing for you to have three children and two more and five children in all? you would have short-circuited yourself and cut off God's blessing on your life. I pray that that will not be your story. And I pray that we will see the arrows of the enemy clearly and say, this one, I'm not going there. Let them call me a fool. Let them call me a drunkard. Let them call me all the things I am. What does the Bible say? Jesus made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Hallelujah. A woman who prays is somebody who lives to come to see beyond 
what she asked God for. She sees, she gets, I mean, she goes beyond what she asked God for. Because the Bible says God gave her sons and daughters. There's no time to read it, but you can read it if you want to know where it is. It's still in first Samuel. Hallelujah. God will always do beyond your prayer topic. You can never pray into being what God wants to do. I believe it. If you are told that there were five people in Lighthouse Chapel, if you had told me that Lighthouse Chapel will have even one branch, I would not have because we didn't pray for that. We prayed for more souls. Our prayers were always souls, uh, witnessing, follow up, Lord establish them, Lord help them. And then we got some one or two branches and then we continued and God has led us step by step by step. That today, the church is more than 3,000 branches. We could never have prayed it in our prayer topic. Never. You can't add it to your prayer topic. Oh, so make us 3,000 branches and spread us all over on every continent. And your mind is too small. So when the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into that, the things that God has prepared for them that love him and that they are revealed only by the Holy Spirit. And even the Holy Spirit reveals them gradually. Because if he reveals it to you early, the Bible says what? Not a novice. Let's be lifted up with pride. You, you shipwreck your faith. Amen. So God will always do more than you prayed for. For the woman who prays, God does more than she asked him for in her closet. God gave her more. She thought that Samuel was the answer. But she went back home and God opened her womb. And this time, there's no mention of Penina. Why? Because our weapons are not carnal. But they are mighty. God will do something that will shut your enemy up. God will do things that is not about you. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet, please. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.